FOMO. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I'm a FOMO sapiens. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you are too. And when you're like us and Monday comes around, you don't dread the new week. No, you wake up every Monday morning knowing that this week might just be the best one yet. This is Faux Monday, the snackable show that starts your week right with hot takes, life hacks, listener mail, and even some FOMO therapy. Hey everybody, this is Faux Mondays, the snackable companion to FOMO Sapiens, which of course will be back on Thursday with a full episode. But until then, you got to stick with me on Faux Monday, the best day of the week. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and of course, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now today, we're going to be teeing up a conversation for Thursday. On Thursday, I have a really interesting guest, somebody who I really enjoyed speaking with. Her name is Catherine Finney, and she wrote this book with the best title ever. It is called Build the Damn Thing, How to Start a Successful Business When You're Not a Rich White Guy. So that's a lot of people, a lot of people who do not fit into the box of rich white guy, and Catherine is speaking to you. And so we get into it, like all these kind of interesting things. And her point, which we're going to get into deeply in the interview, and we talked about this recently with Julia Borston, the author of When Women Lead. Her point is that the VC industry, which funds all the startups, it's comprised of men, largely white men, who tend to invest in people who are a lot like them. That's why you see the stats that women are you know, less than 3% of venture capital. I think it's 2% why people of color are so underrepresented. So it's just a fact. I mean, no matter what you think or what your political leaning, not that this should even be political for goodness sakes, but you know, it's 2022, so everything's political. But no matter what your ideology, you just look at the numbers and they are what they are. And then when you think about the root causes, well, that's a big thing. And people invest in their networks and people who they relate to because they're a lot like them. And as a result, lots of folks get left out. And so that is what she is addressing in her book. And I like that. I like that conversation because it's really important to think about how, how you can get around it. Because yeah, we'd all like to think that VC is going to change and all of a sudden it's going to be more representative and it will be. It will be, it's changing, but you know, if you're trying to raise your money now, you may not want to wait that long for the system to get fixed. You got to find a way around that. And so that is exactly what we're going to talk about today on this episode of Faux Mondays. Now, I think before you even think about money, there's some kind of foundational things you got to think about in terms of, you know, how do you actually frame up what you need and what you should do? And so I do want to start with that. We're going to get into like the very tactical, how do you raise money when you don't go to the VCs? We're going to get into all that in a bit. But first, let's start with kind of the big questions you got to ask yourself, okay? The questions you got to ask yourself are these five questions. Number one, why do you need the money? Sounds simple, right? But I swear to God, the amount of times I've met with an entrepreneur and you're like, why do you need the money? And they're like, well, I don't really have a good answer for you. Why? Give me the list. We're going to put 25K in marketing. We're going to get an office. Rent is 5000 a month. We're going to hire 14 people. They cost this. Having that list of uses for the funds. 
And it doesn't have to be that specific all the time. You may have some rainy day funds in there and some cushioning. Hey, what happens if we get delayed a month? What happens if we're opening the restaurant? What happens if the renovation takes an extra month? Okay, fine. Everybody should have a little wiggle room there. But knowing why you need the money, you know, it's start with why. Good old Simon Sinek. You got to know why. Number two, how quickly will you use the money? Runway, right? One of the things that is so interesting is you talk to entrepreneurs these days in this kind of not so nice market is thinking about runway. I was actually talking to an entrepreneur the other day that just raised money and they have four years of cash in the bank. That is some runway. You're going to have a kid who's born the day the deal closes, who's going to be in school, speaking French in a multilingual program in Brooklyn by the time they run out of cash. And so that's really nice. And so thinking about how long you need it for, how much runway you need, super important. Number three, are you looking to sell this business? If you're looking to exit your company, IPO, sale to a third party, whatever it is, that means you can do certain things. It means that you can take money from outside investors who are looking for a return and are willing to wait a long time for you to build a business and sell it. If you never wanna sell that business, it's a whole different story. And we talked to Francis Pedraza last month of Invisible about how he's actually building his business basically by not relying on external capital. But that means you have to, if you do raise money from them, you got to buy them out. So that's an important thing to, to think about before you get started, because the worst thing that could ever happen is the pressure to exit the company that you love so that you can pay back your investors when you don't want to do it and you never did. Next, how much? How much do you need? We talk about how we use it, how long we want to sort of go for it, but really what's that number? And it's interesting because the stage of the business will also determine how much you can possibly raise. If you're just a bright idea on a PowerPoint, unless you are Bezos or Musk or something like that, you're not going to raise a ton of money. If you've got a track record, sure. But if you're a newbie, people are not going to give you millions and millions. They're going to give you a little bit to see if you can make some progress and prove out your thesis. So that's really important. If, on the other hand, your business is thriving and you need a little bit of money, but you don't need too much, then you don't want to raise tons of money from external investors and dilute yourself, right? It's like, oh, we just sold half our company to the Qataris or something. Well, if you don't need the money, why would you do that, right? Especially if you can't take the money out. Maybe you can do a secondary and they let you take some cash off the table. That does happen, but not in this kind of market. Those days are done. So that's really important. And then the final one, super important as well, is what kind of investor do you want? Do you need advice? Do you need a VC that has expertise or geographical range or people who could give you great advice on how to structure your business? If you do, that's one thing. If you don't really need advice or at this point in your career or in your business, you don't need that kind of high powered advice, you have many more options. So that is another big thing. So we're going to talk about really, you know, how can you do this? What are the specific ways to raise capital for a business, especially if you can't get the VC money? We'll do that right after the break. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens? Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. All right, so we're talking about how to raise money if you're not the rich white guy, or you know maybe you're a rich white guy and you still have trouble. It can happen. It's definitely easier, but it still happen. So there's two types of financing we're going to talk about. Okay, just hit it up. I'm going to be a little basic for a minute, just in case I don't want to lose anybody. Non-equity and equity. What is non-equity? It means you're not selling shares in your company because equity is when you sell shares in your company. Okay, and so they each have their own sort of dynamics. Let's start with the non-equity. There are three types of non-equity. Number one are grants. Number two are loans, like from a bank. Number three is crowdfunding. And this is, you know, not equity crowdfunding, which we'll hit in a minute. It's a non-equity crowdfunding. So it's like a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo where you have some product that you sell in advance to get the cash and then you can sort of like, get in business without selling shares of your company. Let's take each one of those one by one and get into them. First, grants. Oh, grants are good. It's free money. Free money. Who doesn't want free money? And this is very typical, especially in parts of the world where there isn't a lot of VC. We have listeners. I know you are all out there from all over the world. So if you are in parts of Latin America, Africa, Asia, it's not unusual for governments or businesses to offer grants, business plan competitions, for example, do that. Also, this happens in the U.S. as well. And you have government organizations in the U.S. like the SBIC, the Small Business Investment Corporation, that give grants. Basically, you just have to go online and Google this stuff and then apply. And oftentimes, there'll be a business plan competition, a pitch competition. You'll have to sort of prove to people, hey, I'm not just going to take your money and go on a, you know, a very exciting trip to Puerto Rico and enjoy a wonderful vacation. I'm going to use it on a business. And a lot of times there is accountability. You have to prove how you use the money. You got to show receipts and stuff like that. But that's okay. If you're legit, and I know you all are legit, you come up with a great idea, you apply, you win this grant, and then they give you money for free 
that you can use to build your business. And I gotta tell you something, there's so much money out there. They're not big dollars. It's not like you're applying you know, to, to some grant to like come up with a cure for cancer and they're giving you 20 million smackaroos. But even if it's 20K, 25K, 10K, it is money that somebody's giving you for free to build your business. There is nothing better than that. And I have seen great entrepreneurs who go from program to program to program and all of a sudden they've raised like 200K in free money. And doing so, what's cool too about grants is you partner oftentimes with the people who gave you the grant so they can offer you support. You get some good PR. There's just a good amount of halo effect to that grant, but you, you should definitely look at the grants. They can be wonderful. And it's a great way as an entrepreneur to just get the free money. Gotta love the free money. You're probably paying taxes anyway that fund this grant. So, you know, don't feel bad about it, but still it's just wonderful. And it's a great way for people to access capital. Number two, loans. So loans, go to the bank and get a loan. Well, that can be great, especially if you have inventory, you know, and you've got to finance, get getting that inventory, like the working capital and stuff like that. So it can be wonderful. Now the thing about loans though, it's first of all, in many parts of the world, you are not getting a loan. There's just not the capacity in the financial system to give you a loan, or if it is, it's at a very high interest rate. But second of all, even in places where credit flows like a river, it still can be hard to get a loan if you don't have a great credit. And also, if things don't go well, you, you know, you're on the hook, right? Especially if you have maybe gave a personal guarantee or something. And so loans have consequences. The risk is, you know, the bank is taking risk, of course, because if the business goes belly up, then, you know, they may not have anything, especially if there's no personal guarantee. Maybe they can take the inventory if there is inventory. But a lot of businesses are not going to lend to people who don't have inventory they can take or aren't established or don't have great credit, all kinds of things like that. And if you do have great credit, then you put yourself at risk or you could mess up your credit. So there are repercussions. And so for an early stage entrepreneurial venture that may very well fail, it can be not a good idea. If you're opening a restaurant or something that's a bit more predictable, great, go get yourself that loan. Fantastic, can make more sense. Just make sure you know when you gotta repay it. And also, what is the cost of the loan? Because interest rates are going up. It's not as kind of fun as it used to be when they basically gave money away for free. Those days are done and you wanna understand the price. Next, crowdfunding. As I mentioned before, Indiegogo Kickstarter. Put your product on there, use your network, sell your product in advance or get people to give you cash kind of like kind of like a grant from you know people who believe in your work that can be great of course the thing about that and we talk about this actually in in, in season nine of fomo sapiens i'm going to interview a great entrepreneur called diego size hill who raised one of the most successful crowdfunding i guess raises in history when he raised money for his company blue smart a couple of years back on Indiegogo. We're gonna talk about that whole process. So I don't wanna tell you all about that today because I'm just giving you a little sneak preview for what's coming up in Jan. But the point he makes, which is very true, is that none of these things are just accidents. Like there's a ton of work that goes into that. You're calling everybody you ever met. And so it is exhausting. And so crowdfunding, it's not that you just put it up there and then random people in the Carpathian Mountains decide they like you and give you their money. No, no, no. You hire PR firms and you talk to everybody you ever met and it's a whole thing and you got to deliver on what you promised to people. So crowdfunding is a serious endeavor for serious people and it is not for everybody. And it maybe doesn't work for your business too. It really depends. If you have a business with a product that you can sort of pre-sell, gorgeous, do it. If not, it's not for you. 
All right, we're going to take a little break and we will come back to the equity options right after this. FOMO. FOMO. All right, we're talking about how to fund your business, the spectrum, the beautiful rainbow of options available to you. We've just done all the non-equity, the grants, the loans, the crowdfunding. Now let's move to the equity. And we're going to start with crowdfunding again, but this is the equity crowdfunding. There are platforms out there. Uh, one of the big ones in the U.S. is called Republic, where you can sell equity via a crowdfunding platform. Just like with what I just told you about the whole thing with selling something on you know, the Kickstarters of the world, a lot of these things, they don't happen just like by chance. It's not like random people stumble upon you. They may do so, but friends of mine who have raised money also spend a lot of time calling everybody they know to invest. And the great thing there though, is that you are on the hook, of course, because you have investors, but you are not necessarily promising a specific item. So if things don't go that well, of course, you're gonna let down your investors, but it's not like you didn't deliver them the coffee maker you said you were making as part of your product page. It's a very interesting thing, equity crowdfunding. I think it's a, a positive, especially with this legal and regulatory changes in the US, like the Jobs Act made it possible for really anybody to invest in these kinds of things, although with very sort of limited numbers, you're only allowed a couple grand, depending on what your sort of financial capacity is. There's all these tests and rules about what is an accredited investor, which is, you know, we don't have time for that today, but essentially anybody can kind of do it up to a point, invest in startups on equity crowdfunding sites. But at the same time, number one, I'm not a huge fan of that from the investor perspective, because, you know, What's your impact, right? Are people gonna even call you back? They should do, but they may not. Second of all is the business doesn't really cultivate an investor base. So if you need to keep raising and raising and things don't go perfect to plan and you don't have amazing results, it's not like you can go back to people and say, hey, person who gave me a thousand bucks, give me another thousand. So that's a little tricky. And then I think also as the market gets harder, you know, people are sort of like, especially with inflation and the recession, just you're not gonna see as much desire for people to invest in risky startups. So that pathway may just be a little bit harder going forward. Now, another kind of classical equity kind of fundraising opportunity that people go to is family and friends. Family and friends, or some people call it the triple F, family, friends, and fools. I don't like that. I think that's not very nice because you should never raise money from somebody who's a fool Never, ever, ever, because number one, if you invest in early stage businesses, you should know what you're getting yourself into. You should understand the upside and the downside and all the other things. If somebody doesn't get that, this is not for them. It's just not for them to be investing in. So don't take money from a fool and then they add no value and they'll probably be annoying and calling all the time. But just also, it's just don't do that. Take money from people who understand what's happening. Explain what's going on. But family and friends who believe in you, they're willing to take the risk. If things don't go to plan, as long as you worked hard and you were straightforward, generally they should understand it because you've made it clear to them it's risky. And if things go well, you just made all your friends rich. I have a number of examples of people I know who started businesses, their parents invested, and then their parents are driving around in that Lambo in Miami Beach. Cheesy maybe, but living large. So that can be really great. And that is a form of 
angel investment. Angel investment is early stage people who understand the risks and are willing to get in very early with the potential of making massive returns. So angel investors, of course, they're kind of doing the family and friends thing, but they are experts at it. This is something they do repeatedly. They have a lot of value. They can help bring other investors. So thinking about how to get those angels in the mix, especially if you have a great network, is a great way to raise capital. And you don't have to go to those VCs. And the cool thing also is angel investments they come from all kinds of different groups. So there are groups that invest in women and groups that invest in people in color and groups that invest in the LGBTQIA plus community, stuff like that. So depending on who you are and what your sort of place in the world is and the community you run in, you may find a group that, that invests exactly in your business because of who you are, which is pretty cool. Of course, they're not just gonna invest to be nice. That would be silly, but they are looking to invest in communities that are underrepresented because they know that there are deals out there that are not getting funded that they can fund. And in doing so, they'll be able to drive better returns and also support diversity, inclusion, and representation in the funding space, which is something we all want. Finally, the VCs. You guys know about the VCs. Now, the whole point today was that they're not gonna invest in you because you you know you don't fit into whatever the box that they look at is. That being said, if you do all the things we talked about and you successfully scale your business with all those, they'll come knocking because they smell money. So all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, "Oh wow, this business has real traction." Yeah, love that. You know, they're they're of course they 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 can be a little lazy and invest in people that are just like them, but when it comes to making money, they are not lazy. They smell a deal and so they will come and find you. All right, so that is the thinking, there's the non-equity fundraising, that's grants, loans, crowdfunding, the equity fundraising, that's crowdfunding, friends, family, angels, VC. Those are the places to go. If you have other ideas, I would love to hear them. You can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and of course, on email at letsconnect at patrickmcginnis.com. I look forward to seeing you Thursday. We'll have more of this conversation. Catherine's fantastic. You're gonna love it. So until then, Take care of yourselves, FOMO sapiens. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO. Want more FOMO Sapiens and FOMO Monday? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 